welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Somebody came up to me and they said, Pastor Rob, they said, you have a great marriage, great kids. You're up there preaching, you got the spiritual life going on. And yet your physical is so bad. And I was like, yeah, I'm like addicted to Little Debbie snack cakes. You know what I mean? I'm addicted. I got to admit, I was embarrassed. Like 38% body fat and 250 cholesterol. I just thought, wait a minute, I've got to change before I have to. And I have been there, let me tell you something. I've been at the hospital where the guy has the heart attack and his whole life gets turned upside down. Worse than that, I have been there talking to the widow, devastated because her husband wouldn't change. What do you need to change? This is not like a weight loss clinic, okay? This is what do you need to change spiritually, relationally? Who do you need to forgive? What has God been just hammering on you and hammering on you and saying, it's time to change, it's time to change. We can either change because we have to, or we can change before we have to. All right, we are in part two of this series, Change Before You Have To, which is the title of the book that I wrote. And uh, just been blessed by people that have been buying it. And uh, remember, all the proceeds from the book uh, that are, are sold and purchased at River Valley Church, all that's going to Kingdom Builders. So I'm all in on this too. As we sell those, it's also a fundraiser. And uh, really excited to be able to sell the book, do the series, and raise money for Kingdom Builders. Now, reviewing for those that missed uh, last week, we talked about uh, moving from vulnerability to stability to vitality. And I talked about in John 10.10, but the Bible says the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And it meant superabundance. You have more than you need, that it spills over on other people. And I want to say this, that um, that quote came from uh, my physical trainer who helped me at Lifetime Fitness, uh, Steve Toms. He was also a friend of mine and also a member of our church. Last week, he was in church, enjoying it on Sunday morning, uh, hearing the message, and little did he know, little did anyone know, that Tuesday morning, his life would be over. Um, From an unexpected uh, heart defect, is what it appears to be, his life ended Tuesday morning, and yet he was in church Sunday, praising God and beaming ear to ear, saying, from vulnerability to stability to vitality, preach it. He, he bought 10 copies of the book, and his last Facebook post was, I'm going to give these away and help change some lives. And then I got the call Tuesday morning um, from his wife that Steve was no longer with us, and she was in tears, and I went over to the home, and it was just, I mean, you talk about a shocker. You talk about change before you have to. And I can tell you this, he had a life that was solid for Jesus. 
He had a life that was solid for Jesus. He, he had changed incredibly when his son Jameson was born. Something happened. He went from what I would call a sincere faith to a strong faith. And he, he had this amazing change. And really, he was just breathing it and eating it and, and just saying, I'm going to help people change, not only physically, I'm going to help them to change in the most important thing, spiritually. And in his, in his death and in preaching his funeral this past week, um, I was able to give that response and, and be able to give a, a, a call for people to give their life to change before they have to, to make this series way more than weight loss, to make it way more than even just uh, whatever is, is just tripping you up, to make it about the eternal question of what are you going to do with eternity? Are you going to change before you have to? Because you have to make that decision on this side of eternity. And when I gave that call at his funeral, and I gave it bold, I mean, I told him anybody that ran a life group for us that was called Christian Fitness Warrior would want me to give a bold call. And uh, I did. And I want to let you know about 70 people raised their hand to give their life to Jesus Christ from his life. And to God be the glory for that. Yeah. I don't understand all the details of it. I don't know the why behind it. But I trust God. And I know that uh, his widow, Ashley, she is trusting God. And I know that she needs prayer. And also you need to be praying for his son, Jameson. And I don't understand it all. But I know that if you change before you have to, eternity is yours. I know that. The Bible says that. The Bible says life is but a vapor. And we've got to change before we have to. And let's take that to our heart and say, God, speak to us today. Speak to us today. Help us to understand that we want to be the type of people that would change before we have to, not because we have to. Now, Dr. Sam Chan is a a mentor of mine, and, and he says this. He says, my greatest regrets are about not changing sooner than later. My change resistance, my change procrastination, my change rationalization has slowed down my leadership journey. We've got to change before we have to. Obviously, we believe it's better to change before we have to. So is there a key? Is there a key? Is there a wake-up call? Is there something that can help us to change before we have to rather than because we have to? Rather than being the guy that has the heart attack and, and has to change, let's change before and so we get everything right. And I believe there is a key. I believe it has to do with the heart. I believe it's very clear, our spiritual heart. And the Bible is very clear. It talks about the heart about a thousand times in the word of God. It says the heart, but it's not talking about this blood pumping organ that is in our body. When the Bible is referring to the heart, it's talking about the non-material side of man along with his spirit, his mind, his conscience. It's talking about the inner life that one lives before God and himself. It's talking about a life that is unknown to others because it's hidden from them. It's your inner life. That's where it says in Daniel. Daniel says, Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. It's saying in my inner me, in the me you can't see where I make my decisions, where I have my emotions, where the spirit lives, where I'm at inside. What determines what my body actually does, that inner me has determined that I'm going to do the right thing. That's what Daniel said. It's so important, our heart. That's why Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. 
It's talking again about what is that hidden part there. It's saying God is going to lead and guide you. And if you'll determine and guard your heart, he'll take care of you. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. It's saying again that non-material side, that's where it's at. The key to this, the key to change is in your heart. And I believe one of the greatest examples, I put it in the book, but I want to expound upon it, is found in the life of Josiah. In 2 Kings chapter 22, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there. It's an amazing story about Josiah. I believe this is really the key, and he has three things that are the key to his change. And if we can grab hold of them, I believe we can be the type of people that will change before we have to. In 2 Kings chapter 22, in verses 1 and 2, it says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Talk about pressure. Eight years old. He didn't even probably realize fully. It says, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidiah, daughter of Adadiah. She was from Bozkath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Now skip with me down to verse 11, because I'll tell you what has happened. Between verse 2 and verse 11, they go cleaning out some areas and they go cleaning out the temple and they discover a scroll. They discover part of the Bible. And so they bring it to him and they read it to him. And they read to him what it says. And as they're reading this to him, he's realizing that he's not obeying what God wants him to do. The word of God is, is hitting him. I don't know about you, but sometimes I read the word of God many times and it hits me and it says, are you gonna obey that or not? And he had one of those moments and as they were reading the word of God to him, it says, when the king heard the words of the book of the law in verse 11, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to the priest. And he says in verse 13, go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in the book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. Now skip down with me to verse 19. So he goes and does this, he obeys this, and then this is what God says, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself for the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become accursed and laid waste, and because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord, therefore I will gather you to your fathers and you'll be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disasters I'm going to bring on this place. So there's a lot of keys here, and I want to dig into what this text has told us. And the first thing I want to tell you is when Josiah has this uncovered, the word of God becomes real to him. He hears something new and fresh, and he hasn't heard it before. He's convicted because the Holy Spirit brings conviction. And he goes and he tears his robes. And the first step I believe about changing before we have to is to have humility. Because when he did that, when you would tear your clothes, you were saying, I'm open before you, God. It's not about me. And some of us put a lot of image into our clothes. And in this moment, Josiah, wearing the finest clothes, he tore them. And as a sign of humility, he said, God, it's not about this. It's about you. My heart is open before you. I'm humble. I will not walk around perfectly put together because my country is not perfectly put together. And I will humble myself. We know that God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. That's what James 4, 6 says. Pride doesn't work. Pride leads to stubborn disobedience. 
And if you're going to go anywhere, if you're going to change before you have to, you have to develop a humble heart. You have to. Now, I can tell you this, that I've just always trusted the experts. I think this is interesting. The older I get, the more cynical I am of the experts, and I want to verify and make sure. But I can tell you this, when I was a lot younger, if the experts said something, I did it. If the experts said to do it, I did it. When I had to have major chest surgery when I was 11 years old, they cut me open and did surgery. When I had to have major surgery, I remember they had me doing these breathing exercises to expand my lungs after surgery. They hurt like crazy. I mean, they hurt. It was, it was pain. It was not enjoyable. And they said, you got to blow on this thing until the meter comes up. And then when it goes there, then you're good. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? And it hurt. But every time they come in with that machine, oh, I just... In my, okay, the doctor knows better, the doctor must know this hurts, okay? The doctor knows better than me, so I'm going to do it. And so every time they came in, I did it. And finally, the nurse was like, wow, you are really good. You know, you do really good with this. And I was like, well, the doctor said to do it. And she's like, well, I know, but everybody doesn't do it, you know, as aggressive. And then sometimes they skip it. And I was like, I did not know skipping was an option. <laughs> If the experts said to do it, I was like, let's do it. That's humility. Because, you know, with doctors, they call it noncompliance. They'll say, do this, take this medicine, do these exercises, and you'll heal. And you go like, "Ah, I don't think that's going to help me. I don't think that's going to help me. I'm going to do my own thing. It's called noncompliance. And if you are ever going to change before you have to, you have to realize that when the Spirit of God speaks to you, he gives you instructions, not suggestions. You're going to humble yourself. He is giving you instructions. They are not optional suggestions. And if you will have a humble heart, you realize he's in charge and you're not. And if you're going to change before you have to, first thing you need is humility. Now, the second thing that I love that Josiah did, he gave orders immediately to the priests. In verse 12, it says he gave these orders right away. Boom, he gives them. He hears it. He humbles himself and he acts right now. Thomas A. Kempis said this, he said, instant obedience is the only kind of obedience there is. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Can I tell you this? Monday diets seldom work. Someday change rarely happens. Snooze buttons don't lead to abundance. They may lead to more sleep, but they don't lead to a better life. They don't lead to super abundance. When you're moved with compassion, move now. Don't wait on it. Today is the day of salvation. That's what the Bible says. Don't wait. When you're moved, move with it. For Josiah, he's like, right now. We're doing it right now. We're going for it. Now think about this. He's king, and the Bible tells us that all the sins, all the sins that were listed in the Bible prior to Josiah, the people were doing at that time. They were in total rebellion. They were as bad as they could get. They were doing all the sins. And Josiah hears it, he humbles himself, and he acts right now. He says, eliminate that from my kingdom. That is illegal, that's illegal, that's illegal, that's off. Cut that down, take care of that, get that out of here right now, it's over. He didn't sit there and think like, well, I don't, should we grandfather that one in? You know, the people kind of like that one. Let's ease the change in. Let's ease it in. He's like, no, right now we are making the change. If we ease it in, we'll ease ourselves out of the change. And Josiah's like, no, 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 we're going to do it right, right now, right now. So key, humble heart 
and acting now. Procrastination is your enemy. When the Holy Spirit speaks, listen, which leads me to the third thing here with him. He had a responsive heart. In verse 19, it says, because your heart was responsive, because your heart was responsive, all of a sudden God says, I'm going to do this for you. Now listen to this. He had this before this moment. I want to point this out to you. In the passage, that's why I read verses 1 and 2 about him becoming king at the age of 8. In verse 2, it says, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Now, I want you to understand the, the implication of this. This was a reference back to Deuteronomy 17. Don't have time to go there right now, but Deuteronomy 17, verses 14 through 20. Moses was telling the Israelites, when you have a king, he needs to follow God. He can't think he's special. He can't disobey things. He should not add wives to his, his family. He needs to have one. He should not add wives. He should not worry about how many horses he has because God's his strength. He can't get conceited. He should not turn to the right or to the left. He needs to follow God with focus. And so this was a reference. God was speaking about Josiah, and he was saying basically, he's the kind of guy I had in mind when Moses was saying he's a good one to follow. He was saying, he's fulfilling the kind of king you need, the kind of king that will lead you. He's the kind of one that I have my favor on. That's what it means, don't turn to the right or to the left. And he's saying, I'll do exactly what God says. When God says it, I'm going to listen, and I won't turn to the right, and I won't turn to the left. And how many know people are always trying to pull you off to the side? Now, I'm not claiming to have this perfect, but I can tell you this, that my parents developed a responsive heart in me. They developed a response. I'm so grateful for this, that they allowed the Holy Spirit to develop within me a responsive heart. And I can remember so clearly, I was wanting to go to a movie when I was a teenager, and all my friends were going to the movie, and it was a wrong movie, and it was like a kind of a, a stupid teenager movie, and I knew there'd probably be some opportunity for the flesh in the movie, and all my friends were going to see it. I said, can I go see the movie? And they're like, well, I don't know. What do you think God thinks about it? Why don't you go pray and ask God, and whatever he says, we'll support. And I'm thinking, that, that's really not fair. <laughs> I'm going to go negotiate with God right now. And uh, I said, okay, is that the best deal I could get? Uh, so I went downstairs, and I prayed, and I said, okay, God, you know the movie? And, and uh, I really would like to go to that. And he's like, nope. And I was like, okay, just hear me out, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> He's like, no. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I, I can't think of an argument on the right or the left that's going to win this one. And um, you're right. I'm not going. So I called my friends. After I went up and told my mom and dad, I said, I'm not going to the movie. I said, God said no. And they said, we knew he would. And I said, well, why'd you make me do that? <laughs> they said, we wanted you to hear him. We wanted you to hear him. I wanted you to hear him and obey him because as you hear and obey him, you develop a responsive heart. And so I was like, all right, all right. And I, I called my friends. I said, I can't go to the movie, but I'll join you for pizza afterwards. And you imagine, everybody else went but me. But you know what? God started to develop a responsive heart in me. And some of you see that. You, you don't turn to the right. You don't turn to the left. And you need to develop a responsive heart. And I want to develop this. What is a responsive heart? Because it's more than just saying no to bad movies. I believe this, a responsive heart is a heart after God's own heart. 
First Samuel 13, 4 talks about someone after God's own heart. He said, I'm looking for a king that will be after my heart. What does that mean? After the things that motivate God, after the things that are there, it means your heart is in harmony with his heart. It means that what's important to God, it's important to you. It means what burdens him burdens you. It means when he says right, you go right. When he says left, you go left. It means when he says stop, you stop. You're after his own heart. It's so important. The responsive heart is so important. I believe that God's dealing with us in part are regulated by the state of our responsiveness. That's why he says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, it says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those hearts who are fully committed to him. It means that those people who their whole heart is there, everything is theirs. It means there are no locked closets that you say, God, you can't go in there. Everywhere, it's all yours. I'm gonna follow you. It means I'm concerned about what's going on in my motive and my actions. And God, I want my heart to be pure like your heart. I mean, the world says if you make a good impression, if you look good, that's all that matters. You can photo op anything as long as it looks good and they get the picture from the right angle and you look like you love them and then you can leave. If you get the right impression, that's okay. And God says, I know what it was like before the photo op. I know what it was like after the photo op. Where's your heart? Do you have a heart that just says, God, I am after you. I am after your own heart. That's a responsive heart. A responsive heart is an obedient heart. Now, it's interesting. The word for listening in the Bible is the same as obey, shama. It means listen and obey. And it's incorporated that when you hear the Lord and shama, that word is used about a thousand times in the Bible. And when it says, hear the word of the Lord, hear what the Spirit is saying, it's not just saying, listen in your ears. It's saying, listen in your ears and then obey with your feet and your hands and your eyes and your mouth and do what God is speaking to you. 1 Samuel 3.10 says, the Lord came and stood there calling us to other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. He's listening and he's ready to obey. Now, interesting thing. The word Samuel is actually a connection of the word Shamael. Samuel, Shamael, Shamel. Okay? It's, it's Samuel. And it means to listen and hear God because El is the word for God. His name was listen and obey God. That was so cool. I want to rename myself. Like, that's a great name. Samuel. Wow. And interesting, it says this in 1 Samuel 3.19 about him hearing God. It says, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. Now, let me illustrate this to you. None of the words fall to the ground was like this. It was saying, God, when you speak to me, when you speak to me, it's like precious water. Now, I understand in our culture, we turn on a tap and we get water. But in their culture, it was precious. You had to have a well, a stream, a lake, something to give you your life from the water. And when it says, he didn't let any of God's words fall to the ground, it was saying, God, when you speak to me, it's precious And if this picture represents God speaking, he's saying, God, if you are speaking, I am taking care of it. And when you speak to me, it's a precious and holy thing, God, and I will guard it. I don't want to spill it on the ground, God. I won't let any of your words disappear from me, and I won't won't treat it carelessly and just kind of do that with the word of God. Oh, no, no, you would never do that with precious water. 
It was like, God, if you're speaking, I will not waste this water. I will be so obedient when you give me. When you, if you're gonna speak, I'm gonna take care of it. I won't let any of it fall on the ground and be wasted. Think about this. Think about this. The privilege of hearing God. God. God breaks in on your day and he speaks to you. And a responsive heart says, I will cherish that word. I will hold on to that word. I will be obedient to that word. God, if you told me to give that person $20 that I walked by, how dare me? Just like, I'll blow it off. God, if you told me to teach the youth group, how dare me? Just blow it off. You broke into my day. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, you spoke to me. What you spoke to me at convention, I'll live out later. God, it's a privilege to hear from you. And Samuel didn't let any word fall to the ground. That's a responsive heart. That's the kind of heart that moves God. He says, that's what I'm looking for. That's the heart that will change before they have to. Responsive heart moves as the Holy Spirit moves on it. It moves toward God and away from sin. A responsive heart prays, lead me not into temptation. A responsive heart, I love this. A responsive heart has the whispers of God amplified and anticipates them. Think about that. Man, you're amplifying and you're listening. Have you ever really wanted to hear something so bad and you're kind of like leading in and you're thinking like, I really want to hear this. Or even in our house, I'm like, hey, 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 turn it up. I want to hear this. Turn it up, turn it up. What, what are they saying? Turn it up. I want to hear this. The, the heart from God, the, the responsive heart amplifies the whispers of God and anticipates them, waiting for God to speak. And the last thing about a responsive heart, responsive heart is pliable. It's soft. It's moldable. The Bible compares a responsive heart to wax. I didn't have any wax, but I had some Play-Doh. <laughs> it's close. It's what like, a responsive heart is like. Responsive heart is a heart that God says, you know what? We need to be flat today. Okay, I'm flat. Okay, but now I need you to roll up. Okay, I'll roll up. Okay, but now I need you to be a ball. Okay, whatever. Lord, whatever you need. You just mold me. Lord, whatever. Okay, I need to put something in you. Okay, that's good. You can go ahead and do that. I, I, I'm responsive. I am pliable. That is a responsive heart to God. And it's contrasted in the word of God with a stony heart. It's contrasted. It says, this is disobedience. This is obedience. It says, this is how those far away from God are. This is how they are with God. Soft, hard. And here's what happens. The things of God, the whispers of God, blow this and move it and change it in his hand. The hard heart in his hand, he's, he's like, come on, I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to you. How many know what he has to do with a hard heart? He gets a sledgehammer. All right, now, how many know? Think about it. He's like, I'm trying to speak to you. I'm trying to speak to you. And you're like, I am so cold to you. I'm so cold. I, I've tuned you out years ago. I've tuned you out. And he says, I want to speak to you, but you have a hard heart. And over and over in the scriptures, he's like, I, I will take out their hard heart. Ezekiel eleven nineteen says, I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I'll take away their stony, stubborn heart, and I'll give them a tender, responsive heart. That's what God's saying. You're saying, I'm moldable. I'm moldable. I, I, I'll listen. I'll conform to whatever you're saying. I'll do it. God, you, you can move me. I have a response. Whatever you need from me, 
I'm there. Move on me. Smush me. Do it. I'm there. It's not a stony heart. So how do you know if you have a stony heart? Let me give you a couple symptoms as we close. Because you might say, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, maybe I'm not stony heart, but maybe I'm just dried up clay. Maybe I'm needing some water to be reactivating the softness. Maybe you do and let the Holy Spirit reactivate it. But the symptoms of a hard heart are this. You've lost compassion for the sick, the hurting, and those trapped in sin. You just lost compassion. Man, when you see someone down and out, oh yeah, there's a lot of people down and out. You just lost compassion. That's a symptom of a hard heart. You've lost desire to grow and to do God's will. You're just kind of like, yeah, you know, apathy. You're like, I'm good enough. I'm making it to heaven. I'm good. I'm in. You're apathetic. That's the sign of a hard heart. And the last one is this. You've lost excitement in the work of God. I mean, you hear stories of the kingdom of God. They don't even move you. You're like, we started a campus in Swaziland to reach those kids. Like, yeah, okay. Man, we're going to reach more people. We started another one. We're doing it. How many is enough? Hey, man, that kid gave $500, you know, for kingdom builders, and it's so good. And you're like, well, he'll learn. Oh, you don't think that? I know that happens. Yeah, yeah, whatever. They're after that. You lose the excitement for the kingdom of God. People's lives get changed. And you're thinking, man, I got to get out of church. Man, we went over. And I was doing that altar call thing. And, you know, as you know, we got reservations. And... Mm -mm. Those are signs that your heart is hard. That at best, you become crusty and you need the Holy Spirit to just saturate you again. And I am praying that if you have a hard heart, that God will say, I will pour on you the water of the Holy Spirit, water you so you can be a responding heart, have that responsive heart, and you can change before you have to. And I can move you exactly where I need you to be, and I'll get you exactly where I need you to be. God, develop in us a responsive heart. God, develop in us a responsive heart. I just pray for people that have a, a stony, hard heart. They've heard challenges. They've heard messages. They've heard things. They just said, not me. I won't give in. It's not me. I'm out. That's good for other people. I pray that you'd work on them. I pray you wouldn't have to uh, get out vice grips or sledgehammer to work on the rock, but instead, just the persistence of the Holy Spirit dripping on them would break them. Just the persistence would break them right now and they'd hear this saying, it's time to get rid of the stony heart. It's time to get rid of the crusty heart. It's time to be responsive. So I pray that. I pray that for our church. We'd have a responsive heart. When the things of God are mentioned, we'd be excited. When the opportunities to serve are given, we'd be excited. When the opportunities to give and change the world are there, we'd be excited and we'd say, God, I have a soft heart. You speak, I'll do it. Right, right, left, left. But God, help us to develop that kind of heart that says, I will change before I have to. I'll change before I have to. And I'll put a smile on your face, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.